Hello and welcome back to our devotions on the Psalms. Today we are going to do a very, very different Psalm. It's Psalm 10. Psalm 10 is a lament. It's not about how good God is, but it is about how evil the world is. Now one wonders why one would lament in this way. So let me give you a couple of reasons, three reasons why we would it's, this psalm is such an important prayer for us. First, this psalm acknowledges that evil exists. When we look at the world, we realize that the world is evil. There is so much corruption in governments, so much cruelty, heartlessness. And yet, as we talk, think about the conversations we make or the prayers that we pray in church, we are often more concerned, and perhaps rightly so, for the victims in these countries. We pray for Myanmar, and often we pray for God to provide for the victims, that God will provide for those who are starving, those who are persecuted. We think of Afghan, Afghanistan, and we pray for the Afghans and the people who suffer under the regime. We also pray for other countries in the region, and so often, we are very concerned for the people who suffer. But there is a huge elephant in the room. And that huge elephant is the regimes, the governments, the rulers, who are hateful, who are clearly cruel. We think of the Burmese government, for example. While we are very concerned about how the population is starving and how they are suffering from COVID and how they're not taken care of. Behind all that, that huge elephant in the room is how corrupt the government is, how they continue to build the capital with luxuries, how they live in luxury while the citizens suffer deprivation and pain. We think about even our neighbours who right now are suffering in, uh, extreme poverty but then we see also news of the corrupt politicians being charged and then discharged and acquitted and coming back to rule to help the economy makes a mockery of the government. But we often don't want to talk about it. Maybe it's sensitive. We see memes of it and WhatsApp and all that and we laugh about it. But we don't actually talk about the agony that we feel when these rich and corrupt rulers are raping and ravaging the nation of all the little that they have, while the people are suffering. And we need a catharsis. Because we hardly ever talk about it with friends, we don't pray about it aloud in church. We need someone to talk to about what's deep inside, that hatred for evil and the evil people were perpetrating evil. And this prayer is important. It allows us to pour out our hearts, our anguish at the behaviour of the governments, the behaviour of rulers who bully their people. And it brings out a deep cry within ourselves, God, this cannot be. And this prayer is important as it helps us to express what we have perhaps suppressed and dare not talk about because we want to be politically sensitive and not to hurt our neighbours. And so we need to pray. The second reason 
is that we need to acknowledge, or in this prayer, we acknowledge that God is dealing with evil. Sometimes as we refuse to talk about it, or we don't want to talk about it, and we store it into our hearts, what happens is that we become cynical. We also develop compassion fatigue because it's all stuffed out inside us. And we don't know what on earth God is doing. Why isn't God doing anything about it? And so we become cynical. We stop believing that we have a good and powerful and gracious God. You know, over time, as I keep reading and hearing news about atrocities in the other countries, I stop wanting to listen anymore. I turn on the news and it's the same thing. Afghanistan, USA, Myanmar... Malaysia, different various things that are so painful to hear. And often I just change the channel, I'd much rather watch the cooking channels or um, nice, more peaceful channels. I don't want to hear news of atrocities and corruption in various countries. But that belies something else, that we feel helpless, we feel that we have None of us is able, not even God, is able to help in this situation. And so we don't want to hear or think about it anymore. Praying this prayer reminds us that God is in charge. I want to read, uh, before I read this psalm, pray this psalm together, I want to read from Revelation chapter 6, verse 9, verse 9 to 11. This is what it says. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Then each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed, just as they had been. This passage tells us of the saints who cried out to God and said, God, this cannot continue. How long will evil continue on earth? And God gave them an answer. It affirms that God is not absent, that God is not helpless, but that God has a plan, but he has to wait, and we have to wait, even as we watch the atrocities happen. But you know the difference is this, when you watch an atrocity take place, and you know that there is an end to it, that God has a plan, it helps to soothe us and give us assurance. Praying acknowledges that and affirms that God watches, God is concerned, and God has a plan. The third reason why I would pray this prayer, or why we could pray, should pray this prayer, is that it affirms our stand as to what is right. Because sometimes we get so desensitized by it that we no longer have, we lose our moral compass. Can you imagine that? We actually lose our moral compass. And we begin to think that, well, if these people, if this is what people do, if this is... And then we say they're not so bad after all. You know, they are God-fearing people, God-loving people, maybe even. And when we stop praying these prayers, we get swayed and say, well, maybe they are not too bad, really. But the reality is they are truly evil. 
many many years ago as I I worked as a lawyer um, an in-house lawyer for some time in a company and this company was a very prosperous com- company it dealt with real estate when I joined it dealt only with real estate but before I joined it dealt with many things too with countries in the neighborhood governments um, neighboring countries and we were embroiled in a massive lawsuit um, involving tens of millions of US dollars and we had sued the government of that country but the real story was that our company and well that happened years before I joined but we were fighting the case then this our company had conspired with the military of the other country to sell goods to supply goods to that country at very highly inflated rates for example they would sell a ballpoint pen for five dollars each when it cost probably about two cents and then they would split the proceeds the military officers would take part of it and our company would take the other part of it but what was really sickening was that as i read the correspondences between the military generals and my bosses they were talking very godly things you know if you read the correspondence you would have thought that they were great wonderful christians They talked about the mercy of God, the providence of God, that how God protected their children as they went skiing in the slopes in Europe, or how God gave them opportunities to study in the top universities. They were constantly talking about the goodness of God. God was in every bit of the conversation. And when you read it, you would have thought, these are very God-fearing, God-loving people. Until you realize what they were doing, they were ravaging and taking away the very little that these people had, these governments had, these countries had. They were enriching themselves while the citizens were starving. They were just looking out for themselves. And they were evil people. And we had to acknowledge, I had to acknowledge that much as they talked religious talk, godly talk, where God was in every bit of the conversation, they were evil, wicked people. And as I talked to God about it, as I acknowledged that this was so, it helped me to draw a line between what was right and what was wrong, regardless of the language that they used. What I learned over the years too is that many of us, many politicians, many rich people, many corrupt people, not just rich, all of us use very religious language. We talk about praising God and worshipping God and the goodness of God while in our hearts and in our deeds we commit atrocities against each other. And we need to draw the line between right and wrong, good and evil. Often we have been fooled, even churches have been fooled, by thinking that certain governments, by invoking God and Christianity or Islam or Hinduism or whatever religion, that just because they invoke religion doesn't make them good righteous or godly and it is when we pray a prayer like this that we acknowledge once again that i am on the right side i'm on the side of righteousness and justice and godliness and i don't care how the other side the evil and the wicked represent themselves or talk about god right is right wrong is wrong and so this prayer this prayer of lament keeps our perspective it helps us to It's catharsis, first of all, to talk to God about the evil in the world. 
but it allows us to trust that God has a purpose. And most of all, it helps us again with our moral compass of what is right and what is wrong. So, let me now pray this psalm. Maybe if you can turn to the psalm from your handphone or if you have an open Bible, that's even better. I'm reading from the NIV, the New International Version. Or you could just pray with me. But what I suggest then is that after we have done this prayer, whenever you watch the news and hear of atrocities, whenever you think about wickedness, pray this prayer. Because it's really helpful prayer to you. And it's also a prayer that God hears and that God will take action. In fact, someday in church, we'll pray these prayers collectively as well because it reflects what is in our hearts. Let us pray. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes he devises. He boasts about the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. His ways are always prosperous. Your laws are rejected by him. He sneers at all his enemies. He says to himself, nothing will ever shake me. He swears, no one will ever do me harm. His mouth is full of lies and threats. Trouble and evil are under his tongue. He lies in wait near the villagers from ambush. He murders the innocent. His eyes watch in secret for his victims. Like a lion in cover, he lies in wait. He lies in wait to watch, to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. His victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his strength. He says to himself, God will never notice. He covers his face and never sees. Arise, Lord, lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked man. Call the evildoer to account for his wickedness that would not otherwise be found out. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his hand. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed, so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. Amen. Well, I encourage you to pray this prayer and read this again, repeat it again and again on different occasions, and especially when you see atrocities or hear of atrocities in the world. Pray this prayer and then talk to God on your own about the anguish you feel about wickedness on earth. Have a blessed day. And I hope to see many of you this Sunday. Again, this Sunday is for those who have been vaccinated and we have a capacity for 100 um, adults, so-called. And our youth service has a capacity for 50. So I encourage you, come and join us. Bring your friends along. 
Let us worship the Lord together. Well, God bless you all and goodbye.